0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foss and Company's podcast series on the Inflation Reduction Act, or IRA. In this series, we plan to explore transferable credits, the impact of the IRA on solar power infrastructure and other sustainability focused investments, and to keep our listeners abreast of IRS, FASB, and other related guidance emerging in the wake of the passage of the IRA in 2022. I'm Drew Goldman a member of Fawson Company's investment team. I raise capital from investors for use in renewable energy and historic preservation projects that qualify for tax credits. Today, we're gonna explore the topic of tax credit transferability, and I wanna extend a warm welcome to Norm Jones, the real subject matter expert for today's podcast. I'll leave it to Norm to introduce himself in more detail, but for starters, he's a partner at the law firm Winthrop & Weinstein based in Minnesota, Norm has specialized for many years in finance and syndication transactions that support tax credit project development, and Winthrop is a firm that Foss and Company has worked with extensively on federal and state tax credit projects over the years. Norm, it's great to be with you virtually today. Do you have any more specifics you'd like to add?
1: Well, thanks, Drew. No, just that uh, you might get a sense of what I do. I tell you that I've done nothing but various tax credit related transactions for the last 25 years.
0: Great. Well, I know we're we're keeping you quite busy today, but that we can get started on our main topic, transferability. For those listeners less familiar with the IRA, we can begin by laying out a few high-level summary points as pertains to the tax credit portions of the legislation, and then we can drill down a little further into transferability specifically. The IRA passed last August, and it directs nearly 400 billion dollars in federal incentives to fund the development of qualifying clean energy projects the goal of funding these projects is to substantially lower the nation's carbon emissions by the end of the decade this funding will be achieved through a mix of tax incentives grants and loan guarantees clean power generation and transmission comprise the biggest portion of the incentives followed by clean transportation including EV or electric vehicle incentives. Many of these incentives, such as the Section 48 Investment Tax Credit for Renewable Energy Projects, already existed, but were substantially enhanced and increased under the IRA legislation. Norm, can you give us a brief overview of the additional opportunities emerging in 2023 and beyond, for example, ITC adders, transferability, or stability to generate PTCs? production tax credits?
1: Yeah, Drew, you know, the the things that I think about that stick out to me in IRA are number one, the brand new credits that got added. I think of some of these as emerging technologies or just technologies that are interesting that need to be encouraged. And in in a way, the function of a credit is to encourage some economic behavior that isn't quite ready for prime time yet or wouldn't survive on its own without a little bit of incentive. So number one, the brand new credits in in various areas and new technologies. Number two, expanding the ITC, as you mentioned, Ira had a carrot and stick approach to the ITC. The stick is that they require certain wage and apprenticeship requirements to be met to even get to the basic levels of ITC that we used to have before. The carrot is that by enhancing the the ITC to even greater levels. Congress is encouraging things like domestic content, um, development in low-income areas and on tribal lands, um, and development in certain energy communities. Uh, There are some definite upsides to developing in certain ways, uh, specifically solar.
0: Well, that's uh, very insightful. I appreciate you running through some of the additional opportunities uh, through the expansion. One of the features of the IRA that's currently uh, garnering the most attention uh, is section 6418, as we've mentioned, uh, the new rule for allowing for the transfer of tax credits. Uh, We're still awaiting final details from the IRS, but I'd like to refer to you, Norm, for some of the specific elements of transferability. Uh, if we can. Uh, For example, when do we expect to receive guidance from the IRS on transferability rules and documentation?
1: Yeah, Drew, I saw an article on March 22nd indicating that uh, guidance on transferability is still expected this spring. It's a pretty big, big target, but imminent. One thing that we do know that has come out is that an IRS official announced on March 21st the IRS was working on what they call a pre-filing registry of credits. It sounds like that'll be useful for the IRS to match up transferors and transferees of a particular credit. Perhaps they got the idea because some states track their certificated credits with specific certificate numbers. So the taxing authority has a way of definitively determining if a credit was transferred more than once, for example. So even if this new IRS registry is technically voluntary, I could see investors asking that their credits be registered because it perhaps adds some risk protection and presumably does no harm.
0: Well, it sounds a little complicated. Uh, is there any feel for if that is going to be by every specific project, or I guess is that going to be part of the guidance that comes through?
1: The announcement wasn't specific that I could tell, but I would imagine that the the, the purpose of such a registry is to track all types of credits that could be transferred. So I imagine the registry would be open to any transferable credit. Gotcha.
0: Which renewable energy and sustainability focused credits are going to be eligible to be transferred under the new rules?
1: There's was a long list of credits that now can be transferred. The typical high volume credits that you and I deal with um, are ITC, and that uh, involve wind and solar technologies, as well as battery storage. Uh, The production tax credit can now be transferred. Um, Carbon capture can now be transferred. Um, Clean hydrogen. And a long list of some of the other new credits that instantly have become transferable.
0: So there's still plenty of uh, plenty to do in terms of figuring out uh, where the deal flow is going to come from specifically. Uh, but it seems to be from everywhere uh, in, in all industries.
1: Yeah, Drew, the high volume credits that you and I deal with have basically become transferable now. Um, the brand new credits that are that we don't know what kind of volume they will eventually have are also transferable. I guess giving them the best chance to hit the ground running in the market.
0: That makes sense. Uh, Switching gears a little bit, what types of tax can be offset by a transferable credit?
1: Well, IRA didn't change that. So the same tax as the underlying credit before it was transferable. Uh, The most common ones that you and I deal with are just federal corporate income tax and individual income tax. I'll note that individuals in particular, are subject to more restrictions using these credits than a a widely held C-Corp is. In particular, those include at-risk limitations and passive activity limitations. Passive activity limitation is so fundamental that it is basically the first question an advisor will ask an individual thinking about these credits. Do you have passive income? If the answer is no, most often that just ends the whole pursuit. Uh, I'll know that there has been some speculation on how, if at all, these passive activity limitations might apply to an individual buying and using a transfer credit.
0: Yeah, that awesome. is a question on a lot of people's minds.
1: A while back, the IRS issued some guidance in the context of new markets tax credits in which the IRS concluded that that investment was not an activity. Now, how that might affect transferable credits, if the act of buying a credit for an individual is not a business activity, then it can't be a passive activity. That means that presumably the passive activity rules would have no application to an individual buying a transferred credit reason this is exciting, Drew, is because it would open up the whole tax credit investor market to individuals for the first time. Of course, this might be just an unintended consequence of the legislation wording. So I'm not really betting either way on what the IRS guidance will say on this.
0: That makes sense. Uh, Thanks for filling in the details on on the individual income side. Uh, That's a question that a lot of people are uh, waiting to see answered. Uh, So are the developers of the tax credit eligible projects able to transfer credits right now?
1: Technically, credits are transferable starting January 1, 2023. But without any IRS guidance or forms, how do you actually transfer credits yet? What owners can do now is enter a term sheet or a binding purchase agreement to sell their transferable credits subject to the delivery of all the appropriate transfer documents. So that's as far as transfer transactions can go at this point. And we are seeing the first few term sheets and binding purchase agreements getting executed now.
0: So that tends to be binding pending final guidance, correct?
1: Exactly. Pending final guidance and the forms and whatever whatever the process is that the IRS sets up. The parties have contractually agreed to go through that process and have agreed on all the price and delivery terms.
0: That makes sense. Uh, So what are the current expectations around the timing of credit transfers versus the completion of and placement and service of the projects themselves?
1: Well, this is interesting. Uh, In the traditional tax equity sense, an investor had to be admitted into the project by the time. Uh, in the case of the ITC, by the time the project was placed in service. After that time, you couldn't effectively get the credits to an investor if they weren't already admitted. What's interesting about the transfer is that transfers have a longer time frame to work. So you can have a project placed in service in the middle of 2023 and elect to transfer that credit to someone that you had just met in early 2024 as long as you did it by the extended tax filing deadline of the transferor. So that gives you lots more time to even think about getting an investor than you used to have.
0: Sounds like a much more flexible execution. Backing up a little bit, another risk associated with investment tax credits in general is recapture risk. Uh, In order to have a bona fide investment, according to the IRS, You have to remain in the project as an investor for 60 months after it's placed in service. Uh, In terms of the investment tax credit under transfer rules, is there a compliance period under the new rules?
1: Yeah, it's important to remember, Drew, that the IRA did not change compliance period for these credits, and it did not change the recapture risk for these credits. There's still the underlying compliance period or recapture risk is still the same, regardless of whether the credit is transferred out or not. So that leads you to ask how an investor protects itself against loss or recapture or credit that's just transferred to it. In a typical tax credit investment, that investor would have all kinds of rights and remedies. They'd be a partner in a partnership or a member in an LLC. They'd have embedded contractual rights to protect their interests by controlling the action of the partnership. Here, uh, that's all not automatic. If an investor just buys a transfer of credits, they're going to need to get creative and specifically create remedies to protect their interests that contractually look, look like the remedies they would have had as a
0: partner in a partnership. So going back to your comments about a registry of sorts, that sounds like a step in the right direction uh, to having uh, a path to some remedies of some sort.
1: I think they're unrelated. I think the registry answers a question that doesn't really exist in traditional tax equity, which is who's the credit supposed to go to and did it did it get sold twice? Um, so I think the registry creates a solution potentially to a, a, a problem that's specifically to transfers. I don't think the registry will cure the other um, risks that the investor traditionally had and still has, which is how do they control the transferor's actions that would lead to a recapture?
0: So there will be additional tracking and additional infrastructure that that investor will need to figure out under the new transfer rules. The investor
1: is going to have to have some recourse against either the transferor or perhaps a third-party guarantor, or perhaps perhaps an insurance company, for transferor actions that cause a recapture.
0: Uh, that kind of leads through, you know, a question about: Do we know anything definitive about the structure that could be needed to affect a credit transfer in the first place?
1: Well, Drew, I think we know certain structures would seem to just automatically work. For example, a partnership that wants to transfer a credit out, uh, specifically can do that under the statute. And if they transfer it directly to an individual or directly to a C Corp as the ultimate user of the credit, there doesn't seem to be any, compli- any complication there. However, what if the transferee is a partnership? It's a little less clear what the result is. One of the topics we've requested guidance on from the IRS is, is whether a partnership can be the transferee. And if so, would the credits then get allocated out to the partners via the partnership agreement? My sense is, yes, that will be allowed. But if that's the case, we could see the industry moving to multi-investor funds treated as partnerships that get big enough to acquire diverse portfolios of credits. And all all of that would lead to efficiency and spreading out of risk for investors.
0: Certainly sounds like an interesting set of options on the horizon. Uh, Another question that's come up in the market is, will transfer credits be refundable?
1: I don't expect that, no. The statute itself says that credits can be transferred to a, quote, taxpayer. The word taxpayer is defined elsewhere in tax law to mean entities subject to tax. So separately, those entities that Want to get a refund, which is a different topic, have to be tax exempt generally so if you put those two together it doesn't look like you're able to transfer a credit to an entity that could then get a refund
0: and and likewise if your tax appetite happens to change after you receive a transferred credit uh, you may have to carry that forward. There's no place in the existing draft of the law for, uh, for a refund, even if you are a taxable entity, correct? That's correct. Got gotcha. you. Well, in what types of situations uh, do you, would you expect a project developer would want to seek out traditional tax equity through a partnership versus uh, just seeking to transfer their credits away to a buyer?
1: This is a pretty nuanced question, Drew, because there are many, many factors that go into doing any transaction. I think if I were to really drastically simplify the factors that might favor traditional equity, they would include, number one, a higher gross investment amount for the credit using traditional tax equity, and number two, being able to receive some capital contributions earlier. On the other hand, factors that could favor a transfer again, simplistically, could include potentially faster transactions with less transaction costs. Number two, less cumbersome ownership structure. And number three, the developer's ability to retain all the depreciation benefits and all the cash flows. So, Drew, I think there's factors weighing both ways. There isn't going to be a one-size-fits-all. I've heard pundits say that transfer or refund will essentially consume the entire market, and there won't be a market for traditional tax equity. That's just not going to be the case, because every transaction has its own nuances and its own needs, and there isn't going to be a one-size-fits-all solution.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree, and uh, thanks for the insight on that. I'd, I'd do to explore it in one more level of detail, when you say higher gross investment amount, uh, the traditional partnership does uh, finance more than the purchase of the credit itself, uh, and there are more benefits available to the investor, and therefore it is a, a higher amount of funds uh, being deployed into a, a similar project. Uh, versus a a more simplistic structure to execute the project through transferability, as you mentioned. Uh, So what you're saying, Norm, is you see a market for both going forward um, after the change in rules.
1: I do. I think there would be some projects that want to just strip the credits out and sell them alone, and they will get just a price for the credits. And there will be some projects that need to sell not only the credits but some depreciation, cash flow, and residual value because they're looking for a higher gross investment amount.
0: That's well well set out. I appreciate the analysis there. Are there other issues, a a top couple of other issues that you would appreciate more clarity on from the IRS now uh, while we're working to finalize uh, the guidance on transferability?
1: Well, it's been said that many parts of IRA leave a lot of interpretation to the IRS. This is an area I think that we have a a fair amount of interpretation that the IRS is going to have to provide. So some of the guidance topics our firm has requested from the IRS include three things. Number one, clarity on who has the recapture risk, the transferor or transferee. Anything helpful, any nuance or any guidance along those lines would be helpful. Uh, Topic number two for guidance would be clarity of the tax treatment by the transferee of the purchase price. So let's say the transferee pays less than the face value of the credit. I'll give you an example. Let's say the transferee pays 90 cents for a $1 face value credit. We might say in common parlance that the spread then is 10 cents on that credit. There's nothing in the IRA that says what the tax treatment of that spread is. If this were a state credit, the spread would be taxable, but it didn't seem like IRA intended the federal credit to be taxed that way. Third topic, it would be nice to know, is what parts of a credit can be transferred. IRA on its face allows partial transfers of credit. You and I can think of at least a half a dozen ways to define part in this context. How about a part relating to the last three months of a tax year? How about defining a part as a percentage of the whole? How about defining part as anything in excess of a specified hard-coded number? How about part as defined by just the credits that result from these adders above the base amount of credit? Or how about the first part to be lost or recaptured, kind of like a first loss position? All these are interesting ways to slice and dice a credit that the financial markets may be interested in, and uh, the IRS will have to help us out there
0: you see that uh, some people will proceed into the some of the flexible partial options uh, before there is any guidance, or uh, do you feel like uh, the IRS will step in and make that fairly efficient for people to figure out where they can and cannot participate as a partial credit transfer? Aid?
1: I think this is an area where we don't know what a part is until the IRS determines what a part is. I think we can't go very far being creative about slicing and dicing these parts and without guidance.
0: I think it was important to add that because I think a lot of listeners could have really creative thoughts running through their heads as you describe different ways to parse a transfer. Uh, Norm, we could sit here and uh, fire questions at you all day. I really appreciate your thoughtfulness and the depth you're able to go in on some of these topics And as we know, the IRA legislation is broad and it covers a lot of different types of incentives and treatment of those incentives. Um, All eyes continue to be on the market uh, and on the IRS for final guidance. Uh, And we really appreciate your perspective today as to how this could affect uh, our investors and the capital markets. Uh, For the audience, Please keep an eye out for subsequent podcasts on renewable energy and sustainability investment space and for updates on guidance as it becomes more available. Thanks Norm. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. Have a great day. Thanks Drew. Thank you
1: again for listening to Foss and Company's Tax Credits Today podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast now on all major platforms. You can also follow us on LinkedIn Or visit us at www.fosandco.com for more updates on the company, insights into the tax equity market, and much more. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.